Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. Good morning, Christ Community Church. Good to see all of you. I um, will apologize ahead of time. Uh, I am uh, batching it again. My wife is in Idaho, uh, freezing her took us off. Uh, she's there for work and doing her thing. She's at a church this morning and a dinner tonight and all that kind of stuff. And then she flies home uh, tomorrow. And she called me this morning and, and uh, a couple things uh, happened. She was really excited. Um, we, are, um, we do this podcast with uh, Dad and uh, Don Wilson out in Phoenix and Bob Russell, Louisville, and Ken Eidelman, who's now in Louisville, and whose son Kyle is the head of Southeast Christian Church. And they do a podcast called the Senior Pastor Podcast. And this week, uh, Dr. Al Moeller agreed to be on, the president of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and best-selling author and all that kind of stuff. And so she was really excited about that. The one thing she wasn't excited about was she got to Idaho, her plane was delayed, shocker, and she gets to Idaho about 11 o'clock their time. And so she's already tired because typically at 11 o'clock our time, she's out. And so she's not having to do double duty work. And so she gets to the hotel and she's so thankful and she crawls into bed and somebody was letting their kids run up and down the hall and bang on doors and scream and all that other kind of stuff. And she put up with that for about 15 minutes and then just swung open the door and went old, old man on him, like, get off my lawn, you know, just <laughs> got to get some sleep. Um, and uh, so she was tired, but she was excited. I, I fell asleep early, but then I woke up at 1 o'clock and for some reason could not go back to sleep. And I think I know why. One is I just I never sleep well when Megan's gone anyway. But two, because of what is happening and what needs to happen in our country and in our church. And I'm going to tell you right now, this sermon is going to start off with some bad news. But it's not going to end there. It's going to end with some good news. But other than that, I do want to tell you, make sure always when you go to take this bulletin with you inside our prayer requests. And during the week, uh, take some time just to pray for those people that are in there. Um, I, I was ironically having this conversation with Gary Harrison just a few minutes ago. We live in a world where we wake up, and if you're not too depressed to watch the news, you see evil every single day. Uh, you know, the, earlier this week, we had a guy walk into Michigan State University, opened fire, killed, I think, three people, injured others, and they could find no motive whatsoever. The police are saying the guy just got angry, took his gun, walked onto a college campus, and opened fire. And I watch the news every morning, and my wife doesn't like it, but and we'll watch it, and every time she sees this, whether it's at Michigan State or, or whether it also happened in Mississippi this week, or you guys probably heard 
Gary and I were talking about this, but how they had to cancel the PHS Minford game because somebody thinks they saw a gun or somebody claimed to have a gun or, or, or whatever. And so we see this, and my, my wife sees this, and every time she looks at me and she goes, why? And so the Bible's got a lot to say on why. I, I, I fully confess and agree that we have a mental health crisis in this country, that there are things that need to be done. We have a drug problem in this country, an addiction problem. And so I understand all of that. But where does that come from? And the Bible has something to say. So let's look at Ephesians 2. That's where we're going to be at today. So got a Bible or a Bible app. Go to Ephesians 2, verse 1, and we're going to kick off there with the Apostle Paul. And as I said, I'm tired, but I'll try to ramp myself up here. And he writes this, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Now, I want you to notice that. I want you to think about that. I want you to parse that out. Once you were dead, dead, because of your disobedience and your many sins. He's talking about spiritual death. He said you were gone. You were, you, you, you were headed to hell, as, as Dad likes to say, on a skateboard. That's where you were going. Because of your disobedience and your many sins. Many sins. We tend to concentrate on what we consider to be the big sins. Sex, murder, that kind of stuff. But the Bible doesn't stop there. The Bible lists many, 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 many sins. And those sins can be as simple as, we went through a church split here many years ago, and the Bible says that's a sin. So that anyone who divides the body of Christ is, is an anathema, meaning you shouldn't even have anything to do with them. You don't divide the body of Christ. But there are other sins. They're not just sins of what they call commission, which means you've done something wrong. They're also sins of omission, which means you haven't done what you were supposed to do. Scripture makes it clear that if you see a brother or sister in Christ, and they're in need, and you have the ability to help them, and you don't, you have sinned. Verse 2, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. Now notice that. Sin is not break, just breaking rules. Sin is not being naughty. Sin is, not, sin is obeying Satan himself. The devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us, notice that, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. Our sinful nature, that which is what lives within us. Something the Bible says we were born with. David said, surely in sin, I can't speak this morning, surely in sin I was conceived. 
By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. And for some reason, reason my wife is calling me and she knows I'm preaching. I'm half tempted to answer it and put it on FaceTime, but I, I, I'll let self-control get the better of me. Um, now notice that. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. He raised us up from the dead. He did it. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. We have become one with Christ Jesus. We've come to faith. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. He will save you if for nothing else for bragging rights to show you how kind he is because we were dead. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Notice that. We can't boast. We can't brag, which means we can't see ourselves as better than anyone else. All we've been done has been given a gift, and it's through his power. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do in the good things he planned for us long ago. Don't forget that you Gentiles, or non-Jews, used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews, who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. To live without God is to live without hope. The one with the most toys does not win, and there are no luggage racks on hearses. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Notice how many times he says that. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of the law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death. Notice that. He saved us by going to the cross, and also what it was his desire to do along with that. 
to end the hostility, any division we have among us, any anger we have among us, any, any resentment we have among us. That has to go. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were very far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens, along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are being made part of the dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Now, so there it is. Paul lays out the bad news, and then he brings in the good news. The bad news is we are all sinners, and not just because we screw up, we made a mistake, we didn't mean to. He's saying you have it within you. It is your very nature to sin. You will do what your heart most desires to do. What you want is what you will do. You will find a way to do it. That's the way it is. We are slaves. We are addicts to sin. And we will find a way to sin if we want to. Um, You guys know that I grew up loving hard rock and, and metal. I don't listen to much of it anymore because I'm old. But when I was young, I listened to a lot of it. And one of my favorite performers, not necessarily just one of my favorite songwriters, I think his songs are good, not great, but he's a great performer, is Alice Cooper. Uh, What I've told you before, what some of you may not know, is that Alice Cooper is a born-again Christian. He's actually a pastor's kid. His wife is also a pastor's kid. And many years ago in the, in the mid-80s, he was an alcoholic. And he promised his wife, because he loved his wife, and his wife said, stop drinking. He said, okay. He said, the problem is I didn't want to stop drinking. So he would hide vodka bottles all over his house. And he would just go take a drink here and there, thinking his wife didn't know what was going on. Then, when she finally said, I've had enough, you think I'm that stupid that I don't know what's going on. Nobody slurs their words at noon, unless they're hiding something somewhere. I've had enough. And his heart's desire was that his would leave. So he got down on his knees and he prayed. He said harder than he'd ever prayed in his life. And he said, I haven't had a drink since. He said, I haven't even had, I haven't even wanted to drink since. Alice Cooper says this and people in addiction don't like this and I understand why, but he says this all the time. He said, I'm not a recovering alcoholic. I'm a healed alcoholic. 
And what I'm telling you what you need is God to heal you from your sin, whatever that is, or whatever they are. You need to understand, I've got a little quote there from one of my favorite websites, gotquestions.org, it's in your bulletin. It does this, it says, sin is described in the Bible as the transgression of the law of God and rebellion against God himself. You have broken God's law and you have rejected him when you sin. That is what you're doing. The one who created you and knit you together in your mother's womb, the one who, if you, I don't care what you think, you are not here because your parents broke out a bottle of wine and some berry white and nine months later you came along. That wasn't the only reason. The Bible is very clear. It is God who opens and shuts the womb. It is God who knits you together in your mother's womb. You do not exist unless God wants you to exist. And so he is your creator. He made you. The Bible's clear every good thing comes from him. Every happy moment that you've had. Every time you wake up. I'm 50 years old. And I know to some of you that doesn't sound very old, but I had a grandfather die in his 40s with a massive heart attack. And I keep that in mind. For those of you who are old enough, whenever I get numbness in my left arm or chest a little tight for whatever reason, I start to do the Red Fox Sanford and Son thing, and here I come, Lord. And so I, but I appreciate every day more because of that. Does that make sense? Every day I wake up, I say, thank you, Lord, for another day of life, because the book of Hebrews says, Unless he wills me to have that day of life, it doesn't happen. It is God who has willed to give me another day. But sin is rebellion against that God. That God who made you, who planned you out before creation. That God who has given you every good thing in your life. That God who, despite the fact you rebelled against him, sent his son to die in your place for those sins and to live a perfect life so that as Paul has said here several times you when you're united with Christ in faith his life becomes your life and you are judged by his life and not your own thank God if you have true faith and as Paul says and as it says in this article when you sin you also are obeying Satan himself, from which all evil things and all lies come from. That's how serious it is. Never look at your sin as just screwing up, as a minor infraction. You have rebelled against your Creator. And for that, you deserve death. But through faith, the grace of faith, 
you can have life. But how much life do we have? And I, you know, Paul also says if we were to go on in Ephesians, I'm not going to, I'm going to wrap it short today, not just because I'm exhausted, but because we have some people coming up here that I want to talk, talk to you for a minute. The Apostle Paul says, and I said this about a month ago, in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as I said in Greek, that's not a request, that's not a suggestion, that's a command. You must be filled with the Holy Spirit. What would happen if every one of us was filled with the Holy Spirit? If our hearts were so melted by our love for God and so filled with the Spirit of God that what we really wanted to do, what we desired to do, was to worship and obey God more than anything else. That's what that looks like. And when that happens en masse, when it spreads, that's what we call revival. I've never seen one. I've just never seen a revival. There have been many in Christian history. There was one that broke out in Wales. There was one that broke out from all places, Yale University. There was one that broke out in the 1950s because of a guy named Billy Graham. And the last one that happened, the last revival, when thousands and thousands and thousands of people just spontaneously started to pray constantly and to repent of their sins. And then, and this is important, then go out and share the gospel with others. The last time that happened was in 1970 at Asbury University. I don't know if you've been watching the news, if you've seen this, because very few news outlets have reported it. As of today, Asbury's three chapels have been filled night and day, one of them with over 1,500 people praying, fasting, worshiping, and repenting for 24 hours for the last 11 days. Some of our people went there. One of them took some video. Chris, if you could play the video you have, because before you play it, real quick, if you go online, not that I recommend it, if you go on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or any place, there are a lot of people out there who doubt that this could be the beginning of a revival. They've been highly critical. 99% of the people who have been highly critical have not been there. Chris, play the video. This was loud. <laughs> 
Thank you, Chris. Nathan, Kayla, you guys, Andrew, you guys can all come up here. That was not a regular chapel. Sir, that's not, that's been happening spontaneously. The line yesterday to get in was a half a mile long. A half a mile long. Nathan and Kayla, along with Jimmy Bays up there in the sound booth, Alice Spriggs and my wife, they, well, come on over here, grab a mic. Which, which mic should they have? They're good with the red one? Red one, okay. Come over here. Stand aside. How long did you wait in the rain to get in? An hour and a half. And there were how many others? I would say probably 200 behind us. This is during the week on an afternoon, folks. What did you see? Just step up and tell them what you saw. You too. Get up there and tell them what you saw. Yeah, talk into the mic. Get close. As he's telling me in radio, nearer is clearer. So we, uh, we went down Thursday afternoon in a, just an immense downpour, um, line wrapped all around campus. Um, if you're anything like me, I'm super skeptical. I have my degree in apologetics, so I take everything with a grain of salt, and I really want to dig in. So I really wanted to go see what this was all about. And like Matt was saying, you know, we see a lot of skepticism on Facebook, Twitter, all over the place. And um, a lot of people are critical of it, and myself included, I, I was. And I had no expectations walking in, and we walked through the door, and there's a guy giving a shotgun sermon on, on what the gospel is. And we've, we waited an hour and a half to get in. We're in there for a couple minutes. He gives a quick sermon. And then worship just breaks out. And, you know, people don't want to call it a revival. They, they want to call it all these different things. And, you know, they're really skeptical. But at the end of the day, there's something we all have to accept. The fact is that people from all over the world, um, you know, there's people coming from Africa, Brazil, all over the United States that have heard about this and showing up all for one thing, to see what it's about, to see what God's about. You know, even, even standing in line, I was listening to people talk, and they were talking about things that, you know, maybe I necessarily wouldn't agree with. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we, we could all lay down our swords. If you, if you get on Facebook and you can see Christians arguing with other Christians worse than non-Christians argue with non-Christians. And everybody was there for one reason, to worship God and to see what was going on in Asbury. And you know, I told, I told everybody that when we was coming back home, I said, you know, I hope that the fire that's spreading in Asbury, that every person that set foot in that building and was there at that revival, take an ember home with them so that wildfire can spread wherever they are. Kaylee, go right ahead. Well, no shock to none, I'm also a skeptic. <laughs> um, and I grew up heavily involved in like church camp and stuff and if most of you have gone to church camp you know the last night is like the emotional night like that's the repentance night that's when you come and do the altar call and you go home and act like nothing ever happened and I was fully expecting church camp vibes like a hundred percent everybody crying and just making these emotional based decisions and it's funny because when we walked in and we heard the gospel preach I just like looked at Nathan and I was like whoa and then he said something that will, I think, resonate with me as my rest of my life. 
um, he said, if you're feeling emotion, don't come forward. Like if you're feeling overwhelmed or emotional, sit and, and wait. But if you're questioning your beliefs, if you're questioning if you're really saved, if you have concerns, if you have worries, if you have troubles, come forward. Come let us pray over you. Come let us talk to you. And I think another beautiful thing of it is there have been some really, really big names in churches and major people who are famous in worship, and they won't let them come forward. They won't let them sing. They won't let them preach because it's all student-led, and they want the students to lead this revival. And it was going into it, I think I told this last night, I think I brought down Alice Briggs' spirit a lot because I was like, let's not get too excited about this. Like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. And afterwards, it just, you, you have to experience it. Um, it. There was not, it wasn't an emotional atmosphere. It was a serious atmosphere. It was a joyous atmosphere. People singing together in praise to God. You, all, all of us. And Alice started singing a song and it's like, how do you know this song? She's like, oh, I don't, I'm just winging it. And, you know, that was kind of the whole thing. They, they just, they wanted that congregational worship. And I love that every campus is doing this. And I think if you have a chance or have an opportunity to go down there to really see it, I think you should. Thank you. Since Nathan and, and Kayla and Jimmy and Alice and Megan and also Chris and April, and I'm sure they can talk to you if they have any questions, you know, about it. But since that started, spontaneous student-led prayer, worship, preaching, and repentance has spread to several other Christian colleges, including Cedarville, Lee University, Sanford University, all the way down in Alabama. And so here's how I want to end today. I want us to stand up, if you can, I want Andrew to lead us in worship. I want you to praise God for what's happening. I don't know the mind of God. I'm not a prophet, nor the son of a prophet, and I work for a nonprofit. So I don't know what God's going to do, but I, what I want us to do is I want us to worship, and then I'm going to ask Dad to come up here and pray because he has seen revival in his lifetime. And then we're going to quit. And we're all going to go home and we're going to continue to pray that this spreads, right? Amen. Amen. Andrew, take it. I hear the Savior say, My strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Finding me thine all in all Cause Jesus paid it all All to him I owe Sin had left a crimson stain He washed it white as snow Lord, now indeed I find 
sing this out. Cause Jesus paid it all. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Cause Jesus paid it all. time What Matthew was talking about took place here in Portsmouth back in the 70s when the thing called the Jesus Movement. And um, it really started on the West Coast. Chuck Smith was a big, the founder of Calvary Chapel, really good guy. And, and they baptized people in the Pacific Ocean by the hundreds at a time. And that kind of rolled across here at about the time we started the church in 1970. Now what you need to remember is that these kind of revivals invariably start and have to be in strongly influenced by young people. You know why? Because people my age are so sought in their ways that they get uncomfortable when the Holy Spirit starts moving and things happen that they're not comfortable with. God needs to make us a tad uncomfortable if we're ever going to be able to come alive in Christ. There are exciting things happened that were hard to deal with. We went to, I've told you this before, we had a beautiful music in our church. Ralph Harrison was a genius at leading congregational singing. And what happened was the congregation became a giant choir and they just sang and sometimes they would have guitar well we didn't have many guitars it was uh, you know good instruments <laughs> like a piano and an organ you know but it didn't make any difference because they the singing that they had many times with there was no instrument at all. It was just vocal music that came from the congregation. I remember some of the young folks, many of them were attended down at PHS and, and crazy things happened that you could, I didn't know how to deal with really. I'd never been through it before myself. Charlie Adams, who was the principal at the time, a guy about this tall, 
this boy, I mean, he'd make you look like a weenie, called me up and he said, Scott, we, we have a problem here that I think you can help with. I said, well, what is it, Mr. Adams? And he said, well, the kids from your church are trying to convert our teachers during math class. And, and we're not getting them, they're not learning to multiply and subtract. So he said, can you help? And I said, Charlie, I, I, I didn't have anything to do with it, and I don't think I can stop it. But I will mention it, and, and we'll let it go at that. And uh, Alice Kay took a bunch of kids to Cincinnati for a musical. And that was before some of the highways are here, like the AA and others then in the 70s. That's come since then. This came from Cincinnati. You came down 52 and, you know, made your way here. And there was a Frisch's in New Richmond, and she they had stopped there for a bite to eat, and it was approaching midnight. And she called me, and she said, uh, at the musical, at the end of it, they gave an invitation, and several of our kids have accepted Christ and want to be baptized. I said, well, good. She said, tonight. At that time, we were using the Seventh-day Adventist building up on 27th Street. They had a baptistry. And so at 2.30 or 3 in the morning, we were up there with several parents. I remember Dale and Doris Cox in particular because Peggy was one of them that was to be baptized, their daughter. And they were wearing their pajamas and the, with a house coat on. And here we were baptizing people at two o'clock or three o'clock in the morning i mean some of those things really did happen and were different and you just have to relax and go with it and enjoy it there's nothing wrong with it even though it's significantly different from what you're used to and it may and you may get say what the heck's going on here but it's really good stuff and uh, i would like to live long enough to see it happen again but I will tell you that old, us older people need to, be, need to relax and understand the kids will make mistakes and, and, and as if we didn't. One of the things that would cause some tension is we would have occasionally a carry-in supper and about 80 kids would show up and didn't bring anything to eat. And, and they were usually first in line and the older people were belly aching because they didn't get enough to eat because they brought all the food and the kids ate it. These kids today are old and fat. But anyhow, one of the things that was mentioned here before we pray that needs to be mentioned is this. When God changes things, we talk about emotion. Emotion's not bad, by the way. It isn't. You don't want it to go away but you don't want it to be the mechanism for determining truth. Truth should be determined by the Word of God and the Word of God alone. But we wouldn't even be alive or our life worth living if we didn't have some emotion. So that's, that's okay. There's, there's nothing wrong with it. But remember, God changes the heart, and the heart is actually composed of, in Scripture, four things. The intellect, God said, you know, you have to start thinking like God. The emotion certainly is there because that's a part of humanity. The conscience, God pricks our conscience in regard to sin, which leads to salvation. That's a good thing. And the fourth thing is will. 
not my will, we get to the place where we say, not my will, Lord, but thine be done. When God changes the heart of people, their life changes and everything changes and it's magnificent. And I hope that God sees fit to share his presence in a unique and powerful way with our congregation again. It will be an excitement that won't last forever, but you'll remember it forever. You really will. You won't forget it in a hurry. So I just wanted to share, though I could go on here until supper time, but you guys, this is a tight, you won't buy me any supper, so I have to buy my own. So we'll, so let's, let's just have a prayer and you'll be free to go, but please continue to pray that God will see fit to share his presence with us in a unique and special way because here's what will happen. When you come into that building back here on a Sunday morning, you will come with a spirit of expectation that you've never experienced before. I wonder what God is going to do today. Some of it's embarrassing for the preacher, honestly. When they got through singing, at times people would start coming forward to accept Christ. And I hadn't even had time to preach. They're not supposed to do that till I preach. So, you know, all of us have to learn to bend a little bit when God sees fit to do things his way. And let's hope that we're mature enough. And, and, but I'm telling you, you'll talk about it the rest of your It won't last forever, but you'll talk about it the rest of your life. You can hear me now. Okay, let's bow our heads then. And Lord, I want to thank you that you do, when you come into our hearts, never leave us nor forsake us. You're here all the time, whether we're conscious of your presence or not, and we're so grateful for that. We pray that you'll bless this congregation, Father, with a spirit of expectation. And when we come back into this building next week, we will come, Father, expecting you to do something that's truly wonderful and that we'll have the maturity and the humility to make sure that you get all the honor and the praise for what you do. Dismiss us now, I pray, from this building, but don't dismiss us from your presence. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're free to go. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.